listening to Europe Calling with Vince Tracy and Barbara Ann. Europe Calling. Well, after a very well-deserved and well-needed break, it's Europe Calling and our date is the 25th of September 2023. So, what's the weather been like? Well, it has been roasting hot. It still is hot. Not quite as suffocating as it was um, at the beginning of the month. So hopefully things are beginning to uh, change now. So let me welcome Barbara Ann. And uh, it has been hot, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been hot. But as Vince said, we've had a lovely break and the weather was good. And now it's uh, manageable now. 25 to 28, which is great. Going down to about 17 in the evening. So no need for air conditioning as we sleep. So it's getting better. Okay, so it's time to have a look at the headlines. Uh, We'll have a look and see what they're talking about today. So in the UK, the first story, uh, the major story is this morning dental expert Dr. Uchenna Okoye's death, uh, cause of death is revealed as her grieving family say they are devastated for her beautiful full life has been cut so short. Um, now, with so many things going on in the world, do you see that as the leading story uh, for the country? Um, not really, not really. Um, as you say, there's a lot more, more, I would say, um, not important. Yeah, important and more uh, crucial for people to know about. But still very sad for his family, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so th- this is a lady, obviously, that we don't know because we're not uh, following the UK television at that time of the day. Uh, but it does seem that there's an awful lot of these stories of people who are dying too young. Uh, obviously, is it uh, designed to make people worry a bit more? We don't know. I mean, all I can do is surmise. Don't forget the co- the whole purpose of the podcast is to look at the headlines and try and understand what we're being told and why we're being told it. Uh, now, James Cracknell sticks his oar into British politics. So a nice pun thrown in. A former Olympic rower is chosen as Tory election candidate. It seems quite uh, often that people who have done well in uh, at the likes of athletics go into politics. Uh, I mean, the one that springs to mind very, very quickly is Sebastian Coe, but there are others. And um, is that a name that you know anything about? Uh, not really. Uh, obviously, Sebastian Coe, yes, very much so. Uh, and not only um, athletes. I mean, there's actors, there's actresses that have turned into politics um, later on in their lives. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, good luck to him. I mean, uh, if he feels that he can do good for the country, uh, all well and good. OK, before we go to specific stories, we're looking at generally the headlines 
Kate has been hurt and insulted by Harry and Meghan, and she and William have closed their minds to mending family rift, royal expert claims. Okay, uh, should that be a leading story? Well, I suppose, uh, you know, the royals, they're going to be there or thereabouts all the time. Um, How do you feel about um, royals? And don't forget, we've paid our taxes for so long into the system that promotes the royal family. And, uh, you know, Uh, is it going to survive, do you think? Well, yes, I think it will survive, especially with William and Kate uh, being next in line because they seem to be much more suitable um, in the in the sense of uh, they've got modern ideas and hopefully they might change the way uh, the monarchy is. Uh, but they've obviously got to wait till Charles, um, you know, passes on. Um, but going back to the family, it's very sad, isn't it? I mean, with all that money all that upbringing, the good education, um, the privileged situation that they've all been in, that uh, they can't get on as a family. I think it's very sad um, that uh, it just shows you that money isn't everything. And, um, you know, it's just very sad that two brothers uh, have obviously had a very big difference of opinion. And it looks like it's never going to um, get mended. Do you think it also uh, sort of demonstrates quite clearly that uh, no matter who you are, no matter how much money you've got, uh, your education level plus the influence of your partner uh, will always have quite a big bearing on the way that uh, things turn well, out? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it's not money's not everything. It's it's needed. Obviously, when you're young, you need it for your mortgage and your bills and all that. But um, your health is more important, so maybe his mental health for Harry is more important. I, d- I, you know, I don't know, but it's just very sad when you think they've grown up together. But, I mean, it's not the only family that doesn't get on with brothers and sisters. I mean, uh, you know, just because they're your brother or your sister, it doesn't mean to say you're going to be best of friends. In some cases, your best friend is uh, not, not related to you. So uh, they're not, it's not unusual. No, and and also very often your best friend is the one that will tell you something. Uh, you might part for a while and decide to think on it and come back as a, well, a stronger friendship. Don't don't they reckon that in in your whole life you only have about a handful of friends that you can call that you can um, call true friends that you don't have to see them all the time. They can be in another country, they've emigrated or whatever, um, but you can always call upon them if you need to talk or you need some help. Okay, going on to our next story, and uh, this one is about uh, Maddie Cusack. She's a footballer, and her death is not being treated as suspicious after her body was found at a house. Um, As devastated players and fans play tribute to vice-captain following her death age 27. So within the space of four stories, we've got two younger people uh, who basically have died. Uh, I do find it rather strange that if you find a professional footballer who's obviously training and eating all the best foods, etc., and has suddenly died at the age of 27, and yet nobody seems to think that there's anything suspicious about it, 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 it... it falls in line with a number of deaths I've been looking at over the last couple of weeks of people who basically have been healthy. Um, and I know what I suspect, but um, what do you think about things like that? 
Well, as you say, there's more and more um, suspicious, well, they don't say suspicious, but unusual deaths in young people, young athletes who, um, by all, by all, they're 100% fit, they must have tests when they're training and things like that, the heart's good and, uh, you know, when they're on the track and things like that. So they've been tested for good health, I would imagine. Um, but not only young people, young children, um, dare we say, is it anything to do with um, the vaccines? I mean, uh, the vaccine t- does state quite clearly that they don't take any responsibility for any side side effects or anything like that. So they are disclaiming that of any, it's anything to do with them. Why did they do that? Because I think it wasn't tested long enough. It was just dished out quickly. Uh, without any long-term results, whether it was good, bad, or whatever. I mean, I totally disagree with anybody, any child having these COVID vaccines, um, basically because they're not tried and tested, not like uh, polio, uh, rubella, typhoid. um, And that's before we even talk about any sort of uh, conspiracy theory or anything like that. It's not been tested long enough and I think to push it and push it all the time you'll start seeing um, some results of, uh, do they give you any results about the good that's done or the bad, you know, I don't know really whether they do any tests on how many people have died since they've had the COVID or since Mm -hmm. they've had the COVID jab. It, I don't think it stops it because um, we've had friends that have had COVID after they've had three jabs. I mean, three, and it's you still get it. So what the good is, what good is the jab? OK, we move on. We're looking at the headlines in the UK in today's papers as uh, we look at the next one. Here it comes. Now, this one is calm before the storm. Britain braces for Storm Agnes as map shows where heavy rain and 80 miles per hour gale force winds will lash the country this week. It would appear that uh, all the time they've got a constant flow of these events. But I must admit, I remember quite clearly that this time of the year was always the remnants of things that had happened on the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, do you remember that? Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, they tried to make highlights as if it's sort of never happened before. But um, as you know, you keep a diary and uh, you look back on the weather for certain months from the previous years. And it's always a very similar pattern. So, but, so I just don't know why the news make out that it's so unusual. And it's climate change. I mean, okay, it might be climate change, but we still have all these horrific things happen many in the 60s. Well, if you think about it, you see, climate always will change. It doesn't matter. It's a natural natural phenomenon. It's a process, isn't it? It's an evolution as we go to our next story. GMB viewers in uproar over rude and disrespectful Debbie Arnold. I don't know who that is. uh, Ageist comments about Joan Collins, 90 now, by the way, as the actress, uh, she's an actress, 68, says, if you had sex with her, she'd fall to pieces. Um, I've got to say, reading that remark, totally and utterly unnecessary, totally and unnecessary, uh, uh, it's unclassy. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're going to be nasty about somebody, why go on television and just be horrible about somebody you if probably you don't well, really know? The, the saying is, if you can't say anything nice about somebody or anything, you don't say anything at all, you know. But 
we saw um, an interview with Joan Collins. I can't remember how long ago. Mm, a few, a couple of years, no, a few years ago, and she was on a chat show, and she looked great. Obviously, you know, not close up, but she looked great. She, she was uh, everywhere. Was you know, she was lovely and smart and everything. Now she reckoned that uh, the interviewer said, "Have you ever had anything done to your face?" Now, whether it's a lie or not, but she said, I've had no surgery whatsoever. She said, I've always looked after my skin and I don't go out, you know, in the sun and get it burned. Um, and for this woman to say that, she wants to find out the facts of it. And also, I think it's a, a lot of jealousy. I think it will be. As we go to a, a sore story, which is a very sad one, Bruce Willis's wife, Emma Hemming, fights back tears as she opens up about the, the actor's brutal struggle with dementia, admitting it's hard to know if he's even aware of what's happening to him. Um, as uh, somebody that has had this uh, problem within our own family, uh, I find that very, very sad. As, as somebody that's liked Bruce Willis's work over the years, uh, it even becomes even more uh, sad. So, I mean, how do you feel about reading something like that? Well, as you say, you know, it's it's horrible. Uh, it's happened to our own family uh, members. Um, and it's like, um, it's something I've never wanted to have. But you, the, the thing is, the person that's got it, doesn't realize it's the family that suffer really around them um that are really suffering because they can see them deteriorating not daily but definitely weekly and it's it's a horrible horrible thing and um i hope it never happens to any of our close family yeah uh, I mean, obviously, my thoughts immediately are with uh, the family and friends. But I also remember reading so much about um, heading the football now is trying to be the root cause of uh, maybe uh, the dementia. But for me, you see, I think it's more about how much alcohol you drink. It, it's dis described as a poison. You know, so if you are drinking alcohol all your life... That's where I would expect research money to want to be, but I don't see any research from those areas. No, and as I say, you need to know exactly how many footballers or or um, rugby players or what's the other one, the American football players. You need to have a proper in-depth um, survey of how many have died or, or how many have got it. Um, definitely, I think the American football, uh, they, they have far more head clashes than uh, football, for instance, and uh, rugby. That one, would I would say, would be top of the list for head, head clashes, wouldn't you, Vid? I think so. Yeah. And um, but you need to know the facts. I mean, it's, you can well, just I think say even more than things. that. You need to know how many uh, past footballers, past rugby people have, if they only one and say, thousand or tooth you know there could be just a natural thing that's happened to them if you think about it we've seen many times um the cage fighting because obviously yeah. i used to be involved with the martial arts so it interests me but when you look at the cage fighting when you see somebody's head being absolutely hammered, battered hammered. um and, and often without being protected at all mm. Until the referee eventually decides to uh, sort of come in and try and stop it. Exactly. I mean, why are we not talking about that as the first port of call? Uh, and exactly, cage fighting to me is just a physical harm on somebody that you would get put in prison for if you did it out in the streets. It's practically sif 
uh, fist fighting, no gloves or anything like that, no protection on the but head. That, no. that is the point of it, obviously. Yeah, I know, but it's not a, it's not a sport for me. It's just um, legalised brutality. Um, and how someone can say, when you see them getting hit and hit and hit in the head, that that's not going to uh, have some sort of effect on your head. It's like uh, when baby, baby syndrome of the shaking that's a similar, not similar, but it's shaking the head all the time um, causes the baby to have uh, blood clots or, you know, uh, blood from the brain. So that's what's happening with the boxing. and. Um, but I mean, boxing, uh, cage fighting is obvious that you're the, hitting the head all, all the, the time. time. That's right. Whereas, but in football, it's not, is it? I mean, yeah, not you're not heading it, you know, every couple of minutes, are you? You might get... I don't know how many, but I don't think that's a big problem. Okay, we'll look at some of the specific stories in a minute as I just give you another couple of headlines. The first one, Marcus Rashford, who plays football football for Manchester United, arrives at Manchester United training in his spare £600,000 Rolls Royce after crashing his other one into a car being driven by a 74-year-old grandmother after winning at Burnley on Saturday night. Okay, now, uh, I'm going to sound as if I'm envious. I'm not. I've got to say, it would be quite nice to have a Rolls Royce. But having said that, I don't think I would. It's a bit too pretentious for me. But uh, to read that Marcus Rashford has just crashed one over half a million pounds worth and he's got a spur one tells me how utterly ridiculous the football wages are. They are immoral, they are unsustainable and eventually there will come an either an explosion or an implosion or something will happen and people will see what I've seen for donkey's years. What do you think of that story? Well, um, I'm not saying that his driving was at fault or anything like no, that. No, no. Just the headline. Yeah. Um, well, basically, yes, of course, they've got money and have got money to sort of burn, basically, haven't they? Um, but I do think um, in between that, they do give uh, money to certain charities. They, you know, I, I do know that. But um, the more you talk to young people um, and older people as well, uh, you say, oh, what what football team do you support? And they go, oh, no, I don't. We don't watch it anymore. We don't. We're not interested because it's not local lads from your local area. It's all foreigners. It's all money. Uh, it's not like it used to be. And I'm not talking just old people. Uh, young people say the same. They say no. It's uh, it's disgusting the amount, but uh, of money that they get. But what we were only saying just the other day, they should have, they did have a cap, didn't they, of, of a million of years and did. years ago. And also they should have a cap on um, how much money they can spend on getting new players. For instance, uh, Man City are steaming it away. You know, they've got, the I would say, most probably the world's best players. Yeah, but ov- obviously, if you've got that money to spend on the best players, you're gonna. You, if you don't produce after that, you it must be a bit stupid. But I think it's unfair that the same teams, uh, like you've got twenty teams, haven't you, in the Premiership? Um, you should have a cap on how much you can spend, and then it's a little bit more um, fair, and um, it's more on a level course. You know, otherwise the same team are going to win every year. I mean, it just doesn't seem fair. OK, two more very important headlines and then we'll go to a couple of specific stories. Here's the first one. 
All this available in the newspapers today. And it's what the uh, headlines are telling us at the moment. OK, Scotland Yard uh, says limited number of armed officers from other forces will be drafted in to support the Metropolitan Police Force as SAS remains on standby amid fears firearms revolt could spread across the UK with cops demanding a period to reflect. Now, uh, this is, of course, putting soldiers on standby after scores of the Metropolitan Police officers stood down from firearms duties. Uh, this was following a, f- a murder charge against one of their colleagues over the death of a gentleman called Chris Cabber last year. Now, you know, without going into the details of the case, I think the general comment that we should talk about is the fact that it must be something which is extremely difficult to to manage. We won't say police for the moment, but to actually manage to give people who should be trained well enough to make the decisions necessary uh, to protect us should the need arise. Uh, don't go to that particular case, but just go to the general thought of armed police and what they have to do. Um, sorry, are, the, are all police armed now or just certain No, police? no, no. There, there are special police that... Yeah. Like, uh, like SWAT yes. in, in America. Yes. Like, you know, if it's a really dangerous They have situation. a special ticket to say that they can uh, fire guns yeah. when necessary. When necessary, yeah. Well, I think, um, uh, as you say, that the training must be sort of absolutely uh, immaculate and at a very, very high standard. And um, I think in, in some cases you need to have uh, guns because if you're fighting uh, or, you know, trying to capture uh, some really bad criminals, for instance, you know, the drug cartels or, or whatever, they're going to shoot you. And it's a bit sort of like, oh, they'll just start laughing at you, really. Uh, oh, we're OK. You know, the police that have come to get us can't uh, can't fight back because they've got no ammunition. I mean, I think it's a, a little bit unfair to say uh, the police can't have uh, guns in extreme circumstances because otherwise they'll just be um, targets, won't they? They'll well, just shoot them. For my way of looking at it, I, I look at these things, OK, conspiracy alert, but my feeling is when you look at these newspaper headlines for the United Kingdom, it's almost as if they're trying to dismantle the established uh, order of things in the United Kingdom uh, bit by bit. And this is just another way that they can do it. Um, Yes, I suppose there always will come a time when they have to review things. But, I mean, if you're going to be challenged, um, you know, very, very severely and uh, put on trial when basically you're doing some of you, okay, you agree to do because you've put up for um, being in the armed force side of the business. But uh, if every time you take a shot, you know, you're going to be... You're criticised, yeah. yeah, I mean, that is actually very difficult and I wouldn't like to... But what happens when, um, you know, the baddies, or say baddies, uh, the the bad people shoot a policeman? You know, it's it's actually a protection for the police and otherwise we'd have mayhem, wouldn't we? I mean, everybody would just run riot if they think there's no... um, What's the word? Um... No deterrent for them. If if they think a policeman hasn't got a um, a gun, 
You could just shoot him. Well, we have been uh, in the papers last week looking at the fact that at long last, I think it was Hull, they have come up and said, come out with it and said, we are not having our police dressing up in the LGBTQ plus uh, colours when they go to police these things. I mean, they're not there to dance at the carnivals and all that sort of stuff. They're there to be making sure that people are safe uh, both within the carnival and outside of the carnival, aren't they? They're they're on duty. You know, they can't drink. They're not, you know, they, they can't take alcohol. Yeah, it's a serious position, and I and I do agree. Yes, you've got to have a good rapport with the police and all that. But as far as security, when they're on a security call, they've got to act very. Um, um, what's the word? Oh, they've got to act very responsible, haven't they? They've got to act as if, yes, we're here to protect you against pickpockets, uh, riot starting. Uh, people, as I say, with uh, knives or anything like that. So they could be distracted very easily by um, somebody in the carnival for a reason. Well, it's not its not professional. You, you're there with the uniform on. The uniform is there so that people can clearly identify who you are and who they can go to for help should exactly. they need it. Exactly. If they've got people prancing around with the LGBTQ colours on, uh, dancing and being a part of the carnival. What's the difference between them and the, and the carnival goers? Our last story, uh, which we're going to uh, look at as a general headline, and then we'll go to specifics, is America about to send special forces into Mexico. Growing calls for the US military to tackle migrant crisis and cartels amid increasingly violent chaos at border and Republican claims that Biden has lost control what do you think of that well i'm not a big fan of biden um, i think he should have uh, shouldn't have even been president uh, in the sense of his age he looks doddery um I, I can't see him making all the big decisions he's just like the front man isn't he really he puppet. Must be the puppet yeah exactly so um i think he has lost the plot um uh, I don't know. I mean, when well, let's election- go to that border at Mexico because we we watched a documentary. Um, I can't remember the actual town, but it's one of the border towns, and the filmmakers were showing you people just driving into the United States without being challenged properly and crossing the border at night and all the different things uh, which basically favour the drug smugglers. Now, you only need to look at uh, a lot of things that we see as general TV now to realise that you've got to try and fight back against drugs. You can't just accept that the cartels and all these uh, people who want to promote uh, disruption in in our civilised way of life, you can't just step back and let them come on, can you? Exactly. I mean, as much as um, uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, is criticised for the way he was going to treat the Mexican border, um, I think he was right. I think he's right to make it more uh, more difficult for uh, genuine people to get through. I mean, as you say, they were climbing over protection fences. There were streams and rows and rows of cars trying to get into America. Um, obviously, you've got to have a much stricter stricter policy um, if the drugs are coming in that way. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, I don't think there'll ever be an end to drugs. You know, it'll just be 
forever. I don't think you could clack, you know, crack down on them a lot and try to do it, but um, I think it's it's here for, for well, life. Well, plus you, really. you can't just allow people to come across your borders. W- what we're seeing, we're, we're, they're even dropping in the papers now the words illegal and migrants or immigrants. But, I mean, you know as well as, uh, as I do that we've grown up and all throughout our life you've got to show papers when you go across a, a border to explain who you are, where you're going and often why you're going. You, yeah, we, also, we got it everywhere. And also your details of have you committed any crimes, have you been in prison and they can actually stop you going in. For instance, um, we want, we, we've been to Australia to see relatives and that was one of the things. And if you had been in prison, they wouldn't have let you in. Well, we, we, so, I mean, we did it in America. So America, we, we yeah. had to wait around for hours on end while everything was checked. So, uh, yes, I think America has got a crackdown on these problems. Um, they're, they're saying Mexico because it's the next country, but it looks like they're coming up from all different countries, well, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it's just the immigrant situation is just going on and on and on. Um, I, I do feel sorry for the genuine ones. Yes, it's a horrible situation, but at the end of the day, you can only take so many. They keep saying England's taking the least, but uh, England is only a small island, and also uh, they only have sort of certain amounts of capital uh, cities where there's work or there's uh, you know accommodation. That, but we've got lots of countryside, lots of farming, so a lot of it isn't even um, habitable. So. Um, it's just there comes a time it's like having a glass of water you could only have so much can't you and when it starts overflowing you say stop it's quite a common sense thing really i mean uh, england are looking after these people they're spending a million or more a day well, a million. this is the uk now we're looking yeah at. in the uk uh, just to look after them in hotels the food give them phones give them a bit of money i mean england are, are really bending over backwards well it's more um, than more than that the 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 sort of things that go through facebook which a lot of people um you know do get cross about is the fact that the people who are veterans who have been and fought for the country um yes some of them it's their own fault but many of them it isn't and they're not looked after and yet you've got people who shouldn't be in the country now being allowed in without uh, the papers. Um, we've got stories in the papers about the fact that some of these people uh, are even pretending to be children when they're not children. And then later they're found not to be children. Um, and the, the country is spending uh, a lot of its um, revenue on putting them up, which doesn't really make any sense and the only way you can make sense of it is go to your conspiracy theories and Agenda 2030, folks. Go and look at the website and then you'll maybe find out a little bit more about what's going on. We're going to specifics, so let's find out. Uh, we'll go to our first specific story. Okay, now, uh, I'll be interested to see what we have uh, as a female point of view. 
in a story which is about, um, you know, this controversy about footage emerging of Jermaine Jenis, who used to be a footballer, who's now a pundit, calling for no more abuse against officials and telling players to do better. This was in July. Here we go, July, August, September. Oh, blimey. That's nearly, nearly three months now, isn't it? Um, the BBC presenter has now hit out at, I'll t- give you the word that's used, shithouse referee during the North London derby. This is because of um, something that happened in the match where Spurs were playing Arsenal. And uh, obviously it was a bit of a controversial thing, but um, he made his X-rated rant uh, just weeks after fronting a football association campaign calling for officials to be shown greater respect. He played for Tottenham turned now to a BBC One show presenter and uh, made his um, comments known when um, Spurs defender Christian Romero was penalised for handball uh, following the intervention of the video assistant referee after the referee, Rob Jones, had initially waved away Arsenal appeals. OK, so um, obviously Arsenal then scored from the penalty. Now, uh, female Watching men's football, that's you, as opposed to me with my strong views. What do you think of all this business of somebody who's telling everybody else how to behave and then he'll make a comment like that when he's on a panel representing the BBC? Yeah, well, not right, is it? You know, it's it's like um, he speaks with forked tongue, as they say. Um, I do do think, though, that um, referees should have respect, Um, you know, have respect for... Sorry, should be given respect by the players. I'm a big fan of rugby more and second football, as you know. And you never, I don't think, very, very rarely, you ever see anybody confronting the referee. If he gives a decision, he explains why he's given a decision and there's no um, no chat back at all. They just, the men, and the, we're talking giants of a men, they never question what the referee has um, seen. So in that sense, um, I do agree that uh, referees should have more, uh, be given more respect because it's a hard job. F- and, and also they've got um, VR, uh, VH, VR? V- VAR. VAR. They've got four, four men up in a box trying to... Do. So he's got like a backup of people to say, was that what I saw or is that... Because you can't see everything with two eyes, can you? I mean, you know, come on. I mean... Uh, you can't see every single um, tackle uh, that's, you know, when you've got your back to somebody. But the well, VR the, the thing is, it. these people tweet things as well. And um, regarding a tweet, this is a disgraceful tweet and you should be ashamed. Your tweet encourages online abuse of referees. And considering your role on TV, your employers need to give their heads a wobble. Uh, Remember, Anthony Taylor and his family were attacked at an airport because of antics such as yours. It isn't good enough. If you've got um, if you've got a position which is putting you in front of people on TV, uh, then you do have to be a difficult, different person. I say that as somebody that's had to do the same for my radio career. When something happens, um, I think you've got to be a little bit more measured in the way that you say things. I don't necessarily think that you can not criticise because I think some of these decisions are stupid. 
I think yeah, they're ridiculous. Having, uh, what I said was, if they are stupid, and he's not too sure, he's got two f- two f- um, avenues of uh, somebody else telling him, no, it, this is the way it was. I've just seen it on the tel- on the replay. He has got backup. Was a rugby referee? I don't think has backup like that, does it? Um, they don't do VR, do they? Oh yes, they do. Oh yeah, yes. right. Yeah, for the uh, really only for the try. If it, they're no, all no, they, they, they do it for for other things as well. Uh, so yeah, they, they don't th- use it as much. But I think the big thing is they explain what they're exactly. doing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the big thing. The 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 football referees. Well, football seems to think that it's above um, the way that it can be done. Yeah, I mean, you I know, if you explain what the problem is and why the decision's been made the way it has been made, then yeah, but you've said and, and I've said and loads of other people say it's not consistent. It's like, um, I can't remember the games, but say, for instance, somebody gets a red card and everybody, I mean, not just us, you know, people say that was never a red card and he goes off. And then the next day or the next game after, you know, the three o'clock one, the the late one, a much, much worse tackle or a much worse thing gets a yellow card. So you can, I I can understand people getting frustrated and, I think, I don't know whether referees go for retraining or uh, updates on the rules. Or I, I don't know. But, you know, it's got to be consistent. Like, I hate this pulling of the jumper. Arms literally wrapped around somebody's stomach. I mean, that is not football to me. That's just either semi-rugby playing. But if the referee doesn't clap down, uh, crack down on things like that, it's never going to change. I mean, if you're hanging on to somebody's uh, jumper, uh, you know, um, football shirt, or if you've got your arms wrapped around him. I mean, even I can see it, and I'm not a flipping expert. They should say that's a yellow card. No, I, I totally agree with you because it makes my blood boil when when you see once they can show you and replay it that means that same amount of time can be watched by the var experts and then having seen it they should then call the referee across to look at what they've seen and explain why they think it should be this way but surely vince i mean we could see it on the television somebody grabbing hold of somebody and you even say because you love rugby that's a rugby tackle. That's he's he's actually hanging. He's got his arms wrapped around him, especially by the goal. You know when they have a, uh, a um, corner Call kick, that. they're all hanging on to one another. I mean, is that right? I mean, did they do that twenty, thirty years ago? I don't think so. I don't think they did. A lot of what I think what's happened has come in when the foreign players, dare I say it, has have, have entered the game. Uh, but it's in every country now. And I think a lot of what we're seeing in football is all about trying to confuse everybody. If you look at the adverts on the television, uh, you don't just get a men's football advert or a series of th- clips from men's games. You've got the women in it now and all this sort of thing. Uh, it, I think it, the whole thing's about confusing. It, it, yeah, and I it, think VAR is part yeah, of it. But at the end of the day, as you ke- always say, for goodness sake, it's a contact sport. You know, if they sort of got their legs entwined, uh, getting the ball, and uh, one of them falls over as if he's in absolute agony, uh, and he isn't. Um, I mean, very, very recently, last week, we saw somebody, and the guy just pushed him at, on the shoulder, like, just, like pushed him away, as oh, don't be joking. And he, lay, he, he rolled over, hugging his back. I mean, it was so silly that he should be sent off, or he should be um, with a yellow card. You know, somebody should go in the earphones of the referee and say, 
he's just faked um, a, a tackle and give him a yellow card. I, I, I can't understand why they don't do that. Okay, I'm going to move on because much as I think that's important, uh, we will probably discuss it uh, with Rob on the football podcast on Thursday. Uh, so, in the meantime, here's the next one. Okay, our next one shows you a headline saying drone footage of HS2 construction work tearing across England's countryside reveals just how much work is left to be done with northern section of high speed rail line set to be scrapped in five days. Sorry, in in days. A drone footage taken from points on Britain's faltering high speed rail to project has revealed the um, the enormous scars ripped into the countryside across the route were with as ministers due to make a decision on the northern leg this week it if it had all gone to plan britain would be just two and a half years away from high-speed trains whizzing between london and birmingham cutting travel times by around 30 minutes construction workers should now be putting the finishing touches to the network but instead completion is has been pushed from 2026 to 29 to 33 and the budget has risen from 37.5 billion to 98 billion which is a huge amount of money more to the point what are they actually saving you know maybe 20 minutes maybe a little bit longer 30 minutes for the whole uh, lot um, for the expense of tearing up the countryside and making uh, people have to lose part of the farms and things like that what what's your thinking on this one firstly i don't agree with this um as you say it's only saving half an hour another thing we do know two people who work on the train as they're going to their destination so they're still in contact with the uh, as you know, people say now you don't, you don't have to go into the office every day because you can actually use your computer so they're working on the train so they're not losing time for work or anything like that and they're relaxed there's no pressure in the car um, and everything else and they say it's good what they should be more uh, alert on is trains on time or more trains so if there's um you know to a certain peak times you have a longer train or uh, two trains you know uh, because um the compa- they're asking people to not use their car in the se- city centers and things like that so provide more trains provide more uh, punctuality um you know people will be a lot happier if when they say the train's coming at one o'clock and it comes at one o'clock it's not delayed by whatever reason update everything 90 mil billion you're joking aren't you you know i mean uh, why could they could spend maybe less than half of that on updating things and getting more staff to make it um you know more regular and uh, no delays and uh, fixing the railway Okay, I've got two um, uh, comments which I do think uh, look very interesting. Uh, Not got religion. Okay, why do they call themselves that? That's up to them. We need most of the freight moved 
off the motorways and back onto the rail network because traveling around Britain has become a nightmare experience. Motorways are well over capacity. Look at the number of HGVs, heavy goods vehicles, on it, inflicting surface damage. The main arterial routes are constantly under repair with slow moving or standing traffic for miles. It's just not working. Now, we see the the pictures of the traffic in Britain um, from programmes on TV, from the news bulletins, etc., etc. And quite frankly, I think that's a very sensible comment. Um, you know, if you're going to improve anything, then obviously, why don't you improve exi- got, existing yeah, exactly, infrastructure? Exactly. And I mean, they're, they're saying all the time they want to get less, um, especially lorries. And I mean, I bet they'll be happy to go on a train, you know, with the goods and things like that. But no, update what you've already got, because um, as far as I can, I can see, saving half an hour isn't going to really make a big difference to business people that want to get from A to B. Tourists won't matter because a, t- a train journey uh, in most is a lovely experience. You know, you've got your buffet car, you've got relaxed, you know, you're not worrying about the traffic. You know, update what you've already got and make it better. Okay, I've got another white English male, okay, from Manchester, says, when it comes to public infrastructure, savings must be made, costs must be capped, and things can become too expensive or difficult to deal with. When it comes to immigration, the more the merrier. To hell with the cost. We will spend whatever it takes to destroy what we have left. Don't you just love the establishment? And I think that's a very valid comment, don't you? Well, exactly. I mean... Dare I say, you know, um, everyone feels sorry for all these people that are in a bad situation in their own countries. Yes, I, I agree with that. And I think I said before, but you can only take so many. And the, the reason, uh, sorry, and the ones that they do take are looked after extremely well. I mean, um, dare I say, you know, as Vince was saying, people who have uh, paid into the system, uh, pensioners I'm talking about, people who have been in the wars and have got um, mutilation, you know, legs or arms or whatever, they ha- they don't get as much help as we should give them. But regarding the refugees or the asylum seekers, they get everything thrown at them immediately. I mean, is it any wonder that people get frustrated by it all? I know. Agenda 2030 for me. I don't know. Okay, I'll give you one other comment, which I think is a good comment. HS2 says uh, somebody from London was a gesture by clueless politicians. It is not needed. This country isn't Japan, the USA, etc. We don't need to get to Birmingham 30 minutes faster. If this was a huge country or part of a continental landmass, I could understand it but we're a small island and it is nothing more than jobs and money for the boys paid again by the working taxes paying peasants I mean, realistically, you've got all these wonderful things like Zoom and uh, the instant technology where if you really do need to speak to somebody, get onto Zoom or Skype and make an immediate call. Exactly. I mean, on the train, have Wi-Fi. They can upgrade everything. And I I said before, our friends, and I presume thousands of people, find it very relaxing on the train if it's on time and it comes when it says it's going to come. You know, do things like that. I mean, don't cut down on people because people uh, are needed to run these things, you know. And also, I keep saying it, upgrade what you've got. 
Okay, I'm going to move on to our next story, which uh, highlights the frustration. I think this will lighten the load a little bit as we go to this story. Okay, so as I say, it's meant to be lighter, this, because this is right up my street, because if I was furious and I was a builder, maybe I'd think of doing the same, putting a giant stone gargoyled sculpt of a council leader on his roof. This is amid bitter row over his rejected plan to convert a pizza takeaway into a seven-bedroomed house. So um, this is a a, a guy called Michael Thomas, 71, um, erected this statue in Trowbridge in Wiltshire after a plan to convert an old pizza takeaway into a three-storey, seven-bedroom house in multiple occupation was rejected. Uh, So uh, Trowbridge Town Council leader Stuart Parman had objected to the project and put an enforcement notice in place to halt the building project. I mean, you wonder, don't you, uh, about these people who basically make these decisions. If it was something that was going to make a bit more sense, you know, somebody changing a building to upgrade it and make it more useful... um, why would you want to stop it? Exactly. I mean, I don't know who these committees are, these pl- uh, planners, because it's all, well, I say all, a lot of them are backhanders, aren't they? I mean, if you know the builder or you know the construction company, you know, and they want to build a block of flats or, or a, as I say, this big house, um, it's a horrible to say, but there are there are ways of getting around these things. I mean, they're, they're not gods, are they? You know, they're making a decision to change somebody's life um, for the better, I suppose. You know, what would they rather have? Um, a building that's unused and looking ugly or a nice new modern house, you know, that um, fits in with the surroundings. I agree things have to fit in with the um, what, what ex- is already existing. But what is better than a disused, um, uh, ugly-looking building to a, a nice modern building that fits in? I, I can't see why it's a problem. Okay. Right, now we go to drones next. Um, and, uh, no, in fact, we, we no, that, that's something I won't... I'll go to something different, actually, because um, this one is about an ex-accountant. And... Um, he waged a bizarre YouTube hate campaign against uh, neighbours amid feuds over littering, Brexit and pet turkeys at the home she called Cluckingham Palace. Uh, anyway, um, this ex-accountant is now convicted of harassment. So let's see what that is all about. <laughs> So the story goes on to tell you about a retired accountant facing jail over a YouTube hate campaign against her neighbours. This is uh, by parking and littering, Brexit and her own pet turkeys. So very uh, English sounding name, Noelle Obkarskas, 
64-year-old, posted a series of bizarre films online of her having explosive rows. Some were over her three birds, which she kept at the flamboyant front garden of her townhouse. Um, Neighbours called in police after complaints about the smell and loud gobbling noises made by the turkeys. And, you know, you can imagine... um, they also claimed she hurled abuse at them in the cul-de-sac in Pulford in Cheshire. There's only 580 people lived there, so I mean you could you could completely find the truth fairly quickly with with, with all this really. And near where the Duke of Westminster has his family seat, in one video she called the company director John McKimmy, a 40-year-old, a little fat bully with a skivvy wife as he remonstrated with her for deliberately blocking his driveway with large pieces of foam. I think the big thing that uh, I wanted to sort of think about is, you know, where do you find the truth with these things? Because people take sides no matter what happens, don't they? Well, did you say only 500 people live in this area? Yeah. 500. So it's it's definitely... um, a, manta- a mentality of the being bullied, the bullying this lady. But on the other hand, if you're living in a um, next door to somebody and you haven't got a big garden or, or a half an acre of land behind, I can understand. I wouldn't particularly want, um, you know, clucking um, pigeons or whatever she's got turkeys. there, turkeys and God knows what, right next door to the house. I've got no no qualms about somebody having um, animals or chickens or ducks or pigs or anything. But you've got to have the land away from uh, close proximity to your neighbours, don't you think? Yeah. So I can understand that. Um, I mean, (laughs) even at the moment, we live in a very very, very built-up sort of uh, area. And every morning we hear... um, Clucks, you know, like um, a, a crow, uh, cockerel, cockerel, cockerel. Yeah. but it's in the distance. Um, so I can understand the people's frustration, but you can do it in a nice way, can't you? You know, you don't have to um, really, she should see that she's being a bit unreasonable, I think. Um, and I've, of course, they've all ganged up on her now, haven't they? 500 against one. I would imagine that no matter what goes on, you're always going to get somebody who Extreme, doesn't yeah. fit in. Exactly. And if that's the case... There's, um, there's more to it, I think. She's obviously done other things. She, um, you know, She's obviously making it a bit of a nuisance for everybody. I mean, she could cut down on the animals, couldn't she, Quite and to keep the peace. But she's obviously st- uh, dug, her, dug her heels in and she's not going to not going to cooperate in any shape or form you know okay this one i think you'll find interesting i looked at it and um i thought yeah that's something that we we do need to have a little think about so here it comes Okay, so this is a story um, which, you know, you get these type of things cropping up virtually every other day. But this is somebody saying, I quit my vegan or vegan lifestyle to embark on a carnivore diet, eating nothing but meat, eggs and butter. And uh, the claim is that it's made her happier 
healthier than she's ever been. Now, who are we talking about? It's a law student, Victoria Ferraz, and she's been on the carnivore diet for seven months. She's 23, and she's cut out fruit, vegetables, sugar, and carbohydrates. Um, okay, she was born in Atlanta. Does that matter? Okay, the paper wants to tell us, so yes. She said uh, veg- veganism was the worst decision of her life. So, um, right, would you like to try that? No, no. And w- w- uh, I or we have seen documentaries on a completely the opposite tests and uh, you know, sort of proper testing against for and against meat, haven't we? I mean, um, you know, proven to low de- a big degree, there's too much meat. I'm not saying no meat, because we do have a little bit of meat, but too, me- too much meat can make you sluggish, um, it, you don't perform the same way, and things like this. And you only have to keep saying, <laughs> elephants don't eat meat, giraffes don't um, eat meat, um, who else do hippopotamuses, hippopotamuses in general uh, you know they're all strong animals you know so the the thing saying you need meat you don't need meat yes it's a, you know, I like a little bit of meat but I certainly don't have meat every day um, so I think her claim to say she feels better and healthier is basically say not true but uh, it doesn't um, it doesn't comply with all the testing that people have done. Like uh, there was, uh, I think, three young men, uh, six young men, three with meat and three without. And they had tests, uh, you know, cardio, uh, vascular, all that carry on. And the um, the ones that didn't eat meat were far higher and far better than the people that had meat. Uh, more energy and everything else. She's saying she's got more energy, but... Maybe she has, maybe she wants to, but um, I don't really agree with it. Uh, well, so um, one comment says, Good grief, she sounds so unbelievably ignorant and ill-informed, not to mention vain. Uh, so bad role model. Every food she eats now is far from natural. Bacon alone is loaded with saturated fat. Anything that doesn't grow on a tree or from the earth isn't natural nor healthy. Stuffing herself with so many high-fat, heavy foods is going to ruin her health. in the long term vegetables have so many vital nutrients that she's missing out on i mean you really need to look at somebody older who's lived a lifestyle for a while uh, rather than go to some sort of highfalutin um, newspaper article how many times how many times do people say there's older people on the mediterranean you know in in on the mediterranean a mediterranean diet it doesn't matter italy you know, wherever you are, then they they look younger. They can they're still active. They walk up and down sort of their villages, which with you know with no difficulty. Which some of them are, are you know steep steep, and they've got the shopping with them and things like this. Are you going to tell me that um, they eat meat every single day? I don't think so. But uh, Mediterranean, as sh- as you've just said, vegetables. You can't go wrong with vegetables, and you can make them so nice. I mean, we just. It's all about your preparation. People say, oh, I'm not going to eat rabbit food uh, like a salad. No, we never eat rabbit food. You put enough ingredients and flavours in to make it absolutely gorgeous, a salad. So uh, it's just people being lazy, saying, oh, it's only a bit of lettuce and tomato and cucumber. No, it's about... I think when I do a, a salad, I put nine nine ingredients in. And, you know, that's a lot going, you know, you're talking all fresh vegetables, 
anything can go into a salad. And you don't have to have meat in it if you don't want it. Okay, so that's our look at the newspapers today, being the 25th of September 2023. We've missed um, looking at the papers and telling you what we think. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. And uh, my thanks to Barbara Ann for joining me for today's look at the papers. Okay, everyone, have a lovely day and um, hope to do another one next week. And this has been Europe Calling. Bye bye. (laughs) 